0: title of my message, uh, if we can get them to put this up, is What Defines You? Several weeks back, right around Christmas time, actually a couple of days after Christmas, I have an office in Monroe, and I went over there and went to lock my door, went to open my door, and as I went in to open my door, I had a little placard on my door, and it was one of those inspirational plaques that you get that you hang on your wall to motivate you and encourage you, and this plaque was from a really good friend of mine, and it said, Let Your Faith Be Bigger Than Your Fear. Let your faith be bigger than your fear. And I was like, oh, this is great. Somebody thought about me. They gave me a Christmas present, all pretty cool. Didn't know who it was. Didn't have a card or anything on it. Went on about my business, put it in my office. Tried to find a little place to put it. And later on that day, I went upstairs and I was talking to Philip. Lo and behold, Philip gave me the plaque. And he said, did you get your present? And I said, yeah, I did. He said, well, did you look at the back? And I said, no, I didn't. He said, well, I wrote something on the back of it. I said, well, let me go check it out and see what it says. And it said, this is what I've been learning from you. And I had to pause for a minute. And I reflected, like, what did I do that was so special or so different in these last several months that would cause him to give me this plat and let me know he'd become inspired by our relationship and the things that he saw us do? You know... Let your faith be bigger than your fear. It sounds really good, but sometimes you got to put your money where your mouth is. And I know that we've been such, in such a trying time these past several months that it's really easy to be afraid. It's really easy to be a fearful. It's really easy to begin to question our calling, to asking ourselves the questions of, like, why are we here? What's going on? Tell me what happened. And it reminded me of the importance of always knowing just what it is that defines who you are. While I was preparing this, I was reminded of something one of my mentors said, Kevin Finley, some time back. He posed this question to our group. He said, if your mama could define you, what would she say? And I can tell you this, there was a time in my life that my mama, as much as she loved me, if she would have told me the truth, it really would have hurt my feelings. But today, bless her, she's not here, uh, but if she could define my life, I'd want to believe she would say, I'm proud of who you've become, but even more than that, I'm proud of what you've overcome. You know, over the course of our lives, we're going to be defined by so many things. We're going to be defined by what people think. We're going to be defined by people's opinions of us. And, and sadly to say, more times than not, the way people have the tendency to define us is not always for our successes. It's usually for our failures. You know, that's kind of a crazy thing that I think about. Why is it that always, people always want to define us in the negative light? You know, sometimes those things are just so big and glaring. They do have the tendency to overshadow what we do that's on a positive note. But let me tell you what, there's some good news, and I'm going to prove it to you. That's not always got to be the case. See, our failures don't have to be the definition of who we are, and they certainly don't have to be the thing that defines us. You know, if you think about it, if it was entirely up to you and you had an opportunity to write the definition of your life, what would you say? Would you want to be rich? Would you want to be humble? Would you want to be generous? Would you want to be kind? You know, I thought about this, and however long ago it was that we set up our Facebook page, we wrote under our name, we love God, we love people, and we live what we believe. And I remember when I wrote that, I wrote that because if there was something that I would want to be known for, it's definitely that I love God. And it's definitely that I love my family and I love people. And if I love God and I love my family and I love people, I surely need to live accordingly from what I believe that is. You know, there's plenty of examples in the Bible of people that made a lot of mistakes. Actually, the Bible is full of a lot of people that made a lot of mistakes, but that God used their mistake to be a platform to bring us to the place that we are today. You know, one of my first examples is Rahab. You know, we talked about it before. Rahab the prostitute. Probably not the best title, the best name to be known by. But you know what? That might have been how she was presented at the beginning of that story when the spies went in to, uh, to spy out the land. But you know what it was that she was really should be defined for? Just because she had a past, she didn't allow her to pass her past to keep her from her new role in God. You know what it was? It was her simple faith. And it was the simple faith that God wanted to use to give us an example today You know what? Our past doesn't have to be the thing that defines us in our present. You know, I thought about another man, and we all know this guy, King David. Everybody's pretty familiar with his story of infidelity with Bathsheba and how when she got pregnant because he was not where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to be doing, he committed something that he shouldn't have been done, and she ended up getting pregnant. We all know the story. He actually went so far as to send her husband, Uriah, to the front lines of the battle. And he was such a fierce warrior, Mr. Chuck, that he even, David had the men draw back so that Uriah could actually be overtaken and overcome by the enemy. But, I love the buts. When God defined King David, yeah, we know the story about him being an adulterer. We know the story about him being a murderer. But Acts 13, if you'll put it up on the board of the Passion Translation says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man who always pursues my heart and will accomplish all that I've destined him to do. There's other translation that says David was just a man after my own heart. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good thing to be defined by. You know, our mama would define us one way, but what if God was to define Who we were, how we were living our life. What about Paul? Paul is one of the greatest examples that I think of a life and a life of being transformed. Obviously, before he was Paul, he was known as Saul. He actually held the coats of the men that were stoning Stephen to death, and he was supervising that act of violence and that horrendous act. But you know what I know him most for? It was his conversion. It was not just a conversion. It was a radical transformation when he had a defining moment while riding on the way to Damascus on the back of a horse when the Lord Almighty Jesus Christ spoke to him and said, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? This was a catalyst that helped spread Christianity and the gospel as we know it in the world today. Although these and many others in the Bible made some tragic mistakes, it's not the mistakes that defined who they were. It was a part of their past. It was a part of their story, but it wasn't a part of their present. It's easy to make a mistake and get stuck in it. I've been there. I've done it. It's happened to me so many times. But when that happens, if we stay stuck in that mistake, if the magnitude of our sin is so great, that is ultimately what comes to be the definition of who we are and how people define us. Instead of allowing all their mistakes to define them for who they were, every one of those people that I listed found the courage to change the definition of their lives. I wrote a book, and I'm not promoting my book. I didn't bring it to sale or give away. But it's called Why Not Me? And the tagline is finding the courage to change the definition of your life. See, like I said, it's easy for our sin, for our mistakes, for our failures, for our shortcomings. It's so easy for those to be the people that we become to be known as. But that's not the way God likes to see it. Instead of allowing their mistakes to define them for all time, they did. They found the courage to change the definition of their life. And it was through that personal encounter. And what happened is they were eventually to be known for their history, their destiny... ...and not for their history. You know what? They were on a journey to find their true authentic self. It was a God-given opportunity. Anybody had a God-given opportunity to change the definition of your life? It was a God-given opportunity that would allow them to be defined... ...by something more than their mistakes. And they chose to seize the moment. What would have happened to these people... ...or for us for that matter... ...if our fear or their fear or failure in the magnitude of their sin kept them where they were. I can tell you what happened. They would have never given us the faith. They would have never given us the courage. They would have never given us the confidence. We would have never been allowed to see their humanity and the power of God that overcame it. Does anyone here know what the vision of Oaks Church is? Let me tell you. It's right over there on that board. And if they'll put it up for us, I'd appreciate it. There's always bumps. There's always challenges. There's always obstacles. Any business, any corporation, any nonprofit, any church, when they set out, just like we did here, they give a mission statement and they give a vision statement. And what that does and what that is, it is the guide and it is the principle that no matter what comes our way, no matter whether it's COVID, whether it's financial issues, whether it's mistakes that the CEOs make, it's always going to be the guiding light that supports the vision of where they want to go. Oaks Church exists to see the lost restored, the searching fulfilled, the community reached, and the world impacted. I just want you to soak in that for a minute. Do y'all know that this vision is still our vision? I think sometimes we lose sight of things because of the distractions that come our way. This is the same vision that has always been from the beginning, despite any of the things that have happened up to this point. With a vision like this, can you only imagine why the enemy would come with us with a full-fledged assault to get us off track, to cause our fear to be bigger than our faith? to try to change the definition of who Oaks Church is, says our values right there God's love, God's worship, preaching, anointing, evangelism, grace, people, and giving. Oaks Church exists to see the lost saved. Hey, I want to remind us, it wasn't too long ago, we probably had a couple hundred more chairs in here, and we had two services. You want to know why? Because the lost were being drawn in. The searching were being fulfilled. Our seats were full. Our room was overflowing. It was the vision of God that we've had from the very beginning that was in place at that time. And that's the same vision that we stand here today and represent. You know, for the past two and a half years, Oaks Church has been fulfilling its mission and its vision in our community and our region. The Oaks Church staff, hey, come on, I'm going to give a little shout out to them. Because look, they have stayed the course. They have stuck it out. They have showed up when it's 18 degrees outside, when they'd rather be at home, bundled up, watching it on live stream. They have come, they have served, they have, in, they have poured their heart and their life into that vision right there. Because they haven't forgotten the full seats and the double services. Let me talk about the Oaks Church family. The Oaks Church family is just as much an important driver of that vision as that mission as the Oaks Church. I'm going to just say this. It never was one person. That's not how God designed the kingdom. God has a body And it's the body that are the hands and the feet that propel ministry, that go out into the community, that go out into the recovery homes, that go out to the restaurants and just have a haphazard conversation with somebody randomly that draws them in. See, the community sees the light in our eyes. They hear the message in our voice. They hear the inflection of our tone. And people know something's different about Oaks Church. Do you know how many people I have run into... Since some of these things that happen, that are just kind of waiting to see what we do. Let me tell you what, though, the story that every single one of them has shared with me is almost always the same. About I asked them, "Well, what drew you here? How did you get here?" They said, "You know, somebody reached out to me. The lost saved, the searching fulfilled. Somebody reached out to me. I heard it on Facebook. I heard about all these things that were happening." And somebody reached out to me, and I came. But when I came, it was different. I saw the diversity. God's people. I remember the song as a little child, red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his sight. We are God's children of the world. They saw the diversity. And you know what? You can go to a lot of churches and it's not always as diverse as it needs to be or should be. I'm not knocking any churches, but I'm telling you what people saw. And they always said the same thing. I felt something there that I haven't felt in a long time. You know what I'm talking about? We all know that. But these people... All the people that have been through these doors at some point in time, they were the driver of the vision and the mission. It's not the vision and mission of Oak Church. It's the vision and mission of God Almighty. I mean, we can say it. We can claim it. But it's His. I, I think a lot of people get to this place in life where they think God does magic. And I'm going to tell you, God, is He could if He wanted to, but He doesn't. He doesn't use magic to make things happen. You want to know what He uses, Aubrey? You, people like you, people like Bree, people like Tyler, people like my brother Mark, people like Donnie Williams, people like Richard Bass. And I don't know everybody's name, but I'm just going to tell you, he uses you. He uses you in your workplace. He uses you in your car. And I mean, you know what? Yeah, we're not evangelizing our car, we don't think. But hey, when you're not running somebody off the road or giving them the high sign that we don't do in public... You're evangelizing because you know what? You got that little oak sticker on the back of your window. People are going, oh my God, that Oaks church person didn't just flip me the bird and run me off the road. Yeah, that's evangelism. Like I said, you've been the hands and you've been the feet and it's been you all the time. It was you that went after the loss. It's you that continues to go after the hurt. It's you that have loved people the way that was different from other places. It was you that makes the difference. I may be missing some slides, so I'll try not to because they're important. So as people shared what they thought or what they felt in their experience about Oak Church, without ever being able to look at that banner over there, They were defining and sharing their vision. It was their version of our vision, but they were constantly sharing what they felt in here, and it's our guiding light, and it's our source that takes us to where we're we're supposed to go. I'd like to shift gears for a moment. I want to talk about somebody different in the Bible, and uh, this person in the Bible, I can definitely say, gave me my blueprint. Or gave me my vision when I tell you who this man is you're all gonna know and I hope it'll all make a lot more sense we all know who Abraham is right can anybody tell me what Abraham is most defined as or known for there's a lot of things but what's one of the main things he's defined as come on faith the Bible says that he has he's the father of faith it's his faith that defined who he is. Just like many other people. That I mentioned earlier. Abram. Abraham. Before he was Abraham. He was Abram. And he had his own fair share of mistakes. You know. Let me tell you some of the things Abram did. Abram lied about his wife. Being his sister. Did y'all know that. Not only did he lie. He got his wife to lie for him. Abram tried to get outside of the will of God after God made him some pretty big promises. And he tried to get outside from under that promise. And it wasn't just the promise. God gave him a vision. You know, and it was a visionary vision because God took him out in the night sky and said, Abraham, or Abram before, he said, can you look up at the sky? He said, can you count the number of stars And and, and the night sky back then isn't like the night sky today. There was no external light. I could only imagine the brightness, the illumination from the number of the vastness of the stars. And as Abram began to try to count, he realized that God was trying to get him to understand that he was never going to be able to count the number of the stars, nor was he ever going to be able to count the grains of sand. And God was trying to get his vision to grow. But because Abram was getting old, he got outside of that promise. He lost sight of the vision, and he tried to bring God's will to pass on his own by bringing his own seed. Abraham didn't want to die without somebody to be uh, his heir. You know, the first time that Abraham or Abram is introduced in the Bible is when he was 75 years old, and that's outside of the genealogy. At the ripe age of 75 is where God chose to introduce Abraham to us and to the world. Does anybody know where Abraham was from or Abram was from? The Bible tells us that he was raised in Ur by his father. And, and, and it was a land that they lived in where they had served many gods. Abram had spent his entire life following his father's footsteps. And I think there's a lot that I could sidetrack in there, and, and I don't want to do that, but I will say this as I sit here and think about it. Abram was extremely good at following his earthly father's footsteps, and I think God knew that he would be equally faithful, if not more faithful, to follow his heavenly father. Abram spent his life following his father's footsteps in idol worship, in everything that he did, can you imagine all the failed hope and the disappointment? I, only, I could only think about it for myself. If I had been praying to something other than the creator and the sustainer of the world, and I was never getting my prayers answered. If I was searching, if I was praying, if I was depending, if my, my faith would probably got a little choppy there, Mr. Chuck. All that failure and all that disappointment had prepared Abram to be receptive to having a divine encounter with the living God. And not just the living God, it was the living God who knew him by his name. He called to him. I want you to take a minute and think about this. Put yourself in Abram's sandals. Get your, get your feet in the sand. Here he is in the desert when all of a sudden God appeared. And, 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 and I know if you'll put the next slide up, uh, Acts 7 two. I know that it was appearance because the Bible talks about it being a theophany. And a theophany is a divine encounter with, a, with God where they can actually see one another. I want to say, don't quote me, it's either seven or nine times Abram de- appeared to God. For Abram, this was a divine encounter where he was captured by the glory of God in a way that did what? It got his full attention. But God had been preparing him for this very moment. And I want to take a second and I want to tell you what happened in that moment. If you'll put the slide up, Hebrews 12, 1. All right, I can roll without it. Hebrews 12.1 in the Passion Translation says, Now God said to Abram, Y'all ready? Leave it all behind. He said, Abram, you got to leave it all behind. He said, you got to leave your native land. You got to leave your people. You have to leave your father's household. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. But what did he have to do first? He had to leave it all behind. You know, it can be really difficult to leave some of those things behind that become so familiar to us. But God was calling to give up, calling him to give up everything that he knew up to that point in his life that would be a distraction to his faith. We had any distractions to our faith here lately? We have any things that we may need to leave behind. But that's what God was saying. God sees the opportunity to orchestrate a divine encounter with Abram. And for all the promises that God was going to give him, all he would have to do was leave everything that was familiar. That word familiar. How do we respond when we hear those same words of us asking us to leave behind things that distract us from our faith? Anybody have anything that distracts you from your faith? Listen, there's all kinds of stuff that can distract me from my faith. I don't even have to be doing anything that's wrong. I'm just talking about the day-to-day life. Facebook can distract me from my faith. I can hear, and I don't spend a lot of time on it, but it's so easy to see all... I mean, you can only see somebody's breakfast so many times. You know, what they had for lunch so many times. You know, but there's a lot of junk that's out there on social media. Things that are not intended always to create and build and edify us as individuals and strengthen our faith. There's some good things out there. As long as you got the right group of friends. Another message for another day. But God was calling him to leave his will and to lead the way so that he could start on a new journey. And it, was, and it was more than just the obvious. It was more than just the land and your family and all the things that you came to know that were part of your life. This was going to be a journey. Just like it is for us. This is going to be a journey. This was a journey where he would find his true authentic self. Look, when you strip down all of those things that distract you and hold you back and keep you so busy and preoccupied with all those things that life has the tendency to throw your way, he's saying, I want you to find who you really are in me. And it was to leave any of those ideas that he had about how God was going to work it all out. Look, we meet as a board uh, and as a staff all the time. And, and 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 some of the things that we thought were supposed to happen the way they were supposed to happen and how they were supposed to happen we've had to throw those out the window haven't we Mr. Chuck what do you think Philip we had to get some we had to get some faith we had to get some confidence we had to get some boldness and courageousness. And, and, I, and I'm telling you, I'm going to throw this out there. Philip swears he can't uh, get up here and talk. But that guy can preach a message that will get you saved at about 5.15 in the morning. And he'll throw a song out there. And before we even get up, we wake up and we got Philip's message encouraging us. This was a journey, guys. This was a journey. And it was going to require leaving everything that was familiar. And this was going to take a tremendous amount of faith. If you'll put the next slide up, Genesis 12, 2. This is what God said next. Follow me. Not just follow me. Follow me and I'm going to make you into a great nation. I will exceedingly bless and prosper you. Anybody want some of that today? What about our church? Do we want some of that exceedingly? Do we want some of that prosperity? I mean, hey, you know, God wanted to make Abram's name great, and he changed it to Abraham, so Abraham's faith would line up with God's vision. We're not changing any names around here. But it's okay, because it's not the fame and the fortune of the world, it's the fame and the fortune of the kingdom. It's the reputation that we had and still can have about how God was fulfilling His vision and His mission. Next slide, please. Hebrews eleven eight in the Passion translation. Faith motivated Abram to obey God's call. And leave the familiar. I want you to just remember that word familiar. To discover the territory that he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise. And without even knowing where he was going. And Abraham stepped out in faith. See there always has to be some action behind the calling. Man, look, you can have all the faith in the world, but the Bible is clear in James when it says faith without works is dead. Abram stepped out, and he stepped out into the destiny and the calling. Remember me telling you a little bit earlier about the blueprint for my life that came from this passage? It was this verse that has been my compass and the reason that I can tell you I stand here today. My good friend, Donnie Williams, and a a bunch of other men and women started sending me some texts this morning. But Donnie said this one thing. He said, man, I've just been thinking about the road to how you got where you are. We've all been on our own road. We've all been on our own journey. We've all exercised our faith in so many different capacities. I remember sitting on the back of a boat in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, I had an opportunity to stay on that boat and and earn what I thought at that time was a really good living. I had a plan. I had my will. It was all mapped out in my mind, and I knew that I would go back to the place where I came from, and I would have some money to go back and do that, and I was going to be able to start my life all over. You know, the place where I came from, it was the place of familiarity, You know, there's a saying that says familiarity breeds discontentment. And I knew I could go back to where I was and I could start my life all over and I could reach out to the people that I had known before and because of my reputation or my work ethic, they would have given me a job. I had a foolproof plan. My plan was absolutely foolproof. Here's two words that throws for a loop all the time and it's a good loop. But God. Amen. But God. But God was going to give me a similar opportunity that he gave Abram or Abraham to leave it all behind. All I had to do was decide to follow him. Look, is following God sometimes hard? Yeah, yeah it is. I told Chuck just last week. I, I said, Chuck, I said, man, wh- we're having to do some really hard things. He said, yeah, I know. And I said, but you know what, Mr. Chuck? I said, it's never hard when it's the right thing to do. It's never hard when it's the right thing to do. Sometimes God's going to call you to do things that seem hard. And I've said this for so many times over the course of my life. Eventually, you know what? The hard things aren't so hard. Because God develops our strength. He develops our character. And he teaches us and he refines us in those moments to become people that he sees us as. And not always the way the world sees us or the definition that our next door neighbor might have gave us. Because we got a dog that barks all night. I'm not I knocking anybody got dogs either. Sometimes that happens. You know, it can be difficult to give up the familiar. And look, we're having to give up some things that have been familiar. We're having to give up some things that we knew were going to be our foolproof plan to see us through from time to time and season to season. But you know what? This was God's opportunity for me just like it is for us. And I nearly sabotaged the plan that God had for me because I wasn't willing to give up what I thought was familiar. See, I couldn't ooh, I couldn't get stuck in my past. I couldn't bring my present back to my past and expect my life to be kept catapulted to where it is today. But you know what? I had some issues. I, I had some fear going on. I mean, at, back then, this was like 15 years ago. I had some fear. I had some doubt. And I remember talking to my friend, and I was asking him all these questions like, well, what is it going to be like up there? What's it going to look like up there? What kind of job am I going to have? Am I going to make any money? You know what it was? It was all those questions that nearly caused me to sabotage my destiny. It was all of those questions that were producing that doubt and discouragement, that almost caused me to stay stuck in a place where I would go back to the familiar and continue to breathe the discontentment that I always had in that same place and I would have never been going, able to go forward. Those questions were producing doubt and they were producing discouragement and there's, oh, praise God for the sun. Hey, it's been dark and dreary for a lot of days. I'm excited about the sun and the S-O-N most importantly. You know why those questions were doing that? Real simple. They were just the wrong questions. I was asking myself questions. I was doing it to myself. I didn't even need anybody else to help me destroy my life. I was fully capable of doing it myself. I did it before. I did it in grand fashion, and here I was again, starting that old cycle of asking myself questions that produced doubt and discouragement. Negative questions lead to negative thoughts thoughts are important healthy thoughts are very important that's why Paul says we got to be careful and take every thought captive that doesn't line itself up according to the will of God negative questions lead to negative thoughts negative thoughts lead to negative feelings and sometimes our feelings are not going to lead us in the right way so negative questions lead to negative thoughts which lead to negative feelings and you know what those always do? they create negative emotions. Come on, have you ever made an emotionally charged decision that you had to go back later on and go, whoo, my emotions got me in trouble. But you know where it starts? The thought. You know what happens when thoughts, feelings, and emotions get us to that place? We create a belief system that we live our life And if those are all negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions, we create a negative environment for how we live our life. God didn't create us to have negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And He didn't create us to ask ourselves questions that produce doubt and discouragement. But like I said, I was doing all this to myself. I had spent days on the back of that boat asking God for a sign. I... I, I just needed to know, Lord, is this from you? I mean, are you calling me to go there? Are you going to provide for me there? I, it's like I forgot everything he'd already done up to that point. And I was at the point that I was, I was like, give me the fleece. Let it be dry. Let it be wet. But I was like, Lord, if that seagull will just poop on the back of this deck, I will know that is a sign from you. I may be a little stupid, but I just figured this out today or the other day. You know what they call the deck of a boat? The poop deck. I learned. I, I knew that when I watched Popeye a long time ago, but I didn't realize it was because the seagulls poop on the deck. I mean, golly, I cleaned up so much poop on the back of that deck. But how was at the point, like I said, if a seagull would have pooped, I would have been gone. I was desperate, I was frustrated, and I got myself all worked up, and I was right where I put myself. But something happened, you know, this was back in the days when they they give you CDs of people's preaching messages, and I sat down and I listened to the last of the CD collection that I had. I listened to them all, like, Lord, I need a sign. Let me I'd listen to these 60-minute CDs, one after the other, and I listened to the last one, Miss Courtney, and I remember saying this to myself. I remember saying this to God. I said, I said, God, I I have listened to all 55 minutes of this word. And I hadn't heard one thing that is telling me I need to go to Monroe, Louisiana. Have you ever shut it off just a little bit too early? Have you ever been looking for the answer only to not go that extra step of faith? Listen to that extra mer- message? Go to the local church, hopefully Oaks Church, and, and hear what the pastor has to say? <laughs> But I'll never forget, there were five minutes left. And I said that, and I almost hit stop. But something in my heart just wouldn't let me quit. And I heard something that changed my life. And not only changed my life, but it changed my future. It changed my destiny. It changed my definition. It changed my finances. It changed my marriage. It changed everything. I heard this pastor. His name was Jerry Savelle. He said, he said, now, now Abraham, Abraham was called to go to a land that he was going to receive as his inheritance. He says, matter of fact, it says over there in Hebrews 11, 8, he says, he obeyed and he went. He wasn't asking God questions that produced doubt and discouragement. I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, I need to repent right now because, I mean, I have, you just spoke to me. And everything that I had been doing up until that point, I probably should have had it up on the screen, but I didn't. I had failed miserably until I heard those words. Leave it all behind. Do you mean the plans that I had, Lord? The way that I, my will? Like, I, I want you to do this my way, God. I got to leave all that behind cuz I thought I was kind of smart really I knew I wasn't cuz I just had to repent. But I knew that it was God's way and it was God's plan and it was God's will and it was his provision and it was his mechanism and it wasn't going to be the familiar that he was going to use to rebuild my life and get me to a place that he had he wanted to do it. But I had to lose the familiar. I had to leave it all behind. Well, what comes next? 12-2 said, follow me. And I was like, for real, Lord? Like, I've never been up there before. I don't know anybody up there. I don't have any family. It sounds like 12-1. Leave your native land. Leave your fans. Leave your family. And just go. But I knew that this was my invitation From God to take a journey of faith to a land where I was going to receive as my inheritance. You know, I had some people die in my family and left a few things here and there. You know, nothing significant up at that point in time. But that word inheritance, like it was like the big red glowing neon sign in my heart. And I had no idea what it was going to look like or what it was going to be or what the magnitude of it was but it welled up and it resonated so much in me and it gave me so much faith and so much imagination and so many good emotions were stirring in my mind and in my heart I like that word can I get the next slides up Uh, back in Genesis 12 2 through 3 God load, load, laid out a sevenfold description of the inheritance for Abram. Actually, I think it's a few slides over. You know what the first promise was, he said? He said, if you'll leave it all behind and follow me. We went over it earlier. He said, I will make you into a great nation. Doug Pollock, I'm going to make you into a great man. Doug Pollock, I'm going to make you into a great father. I'm going to make you into a great leader. I'm going to make you into a great servant. And I'm going to do the same for Oaks Church, just like I did for Abram and Abraham and all the people of God that have enough faith to step on out there. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to build you from the inside out. And not only am I going to build you from the inside out, but the next one says, I will exceedingly bless and prosper you. The next one says, I- I'm going to make you famous. And the next one is, it's even better. It says, I'm going to make you famous so that you can be a tremendous source of blessing to others. Now, Oaks Church, the lost restored, the searching fulfilled, the community enriched, and the world impacted. The next one says, I will bless all who bless you. And the next one says, if you got some enemies, I'll take care of them too. Because I'm about the God of my business. And I'm about the God of my people. And I'm about the God of my promise. And I'm about the God of my inheritance. And I'm about the God who richly rewards all those who diligently seek me. And the last one says, And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You know, Abram... He had no burning bush like Moses did to inspire him. He didn't have any tablets of stone to guide him. He didn't have a Bible to lead him. There's no pun intended on this one. But he didn't even have a pastor to preach to him. And I can be 100% certain he didn't have any of those inspirational plaques like I got from Philip to inspire him and encourage him and to motivate him when his faith began to falter because we know it did. We saw the evidence of his life in the Bible when his faith failed him and he got out of the will of God and got into the will of Abraham and he began to try to make his own plan. But God had already given him a vision over here and he said, hey, Are you looking at the stars? Hey, have you tried to count the sand on the shore? He's saying, I made you a promise and I gave you my word. And I told you I was going to be faithful to you. But you had to leave some stuff behind. And not only did you have to leave some stuff behind, but I need you to follow me. Because I'm a really good leader. I'm going to take care of you. I told you I was going to make your descendants more numerous than the stars of the sky and the sand of the shore. And he gave them the sevenfold blessing. And sometimes God will use things to corral us back in, to remind us that he has a vision that he gave us for who he is. Genesis twelve four. if you'll put that slide up. I love the simplicity of this verse. It says, so Abraham obeyed God and he went. Any of us having our own struggles moving forward? Any of us have our own ideas? I like to freestyle, so I want to put that to the side for a second. Help me, Lord. I think... I don't think I know that we got so comfortable with what was familiar we lost sight of our vision and I know people are human and they make mistakes and they will disappoint us and they will let us down and they will hurt our feelings and they will crush our expectations and our hope But there's a guiding light there is a hope that supersedes that which is familiar and it's what god called this body to do you know i have a lot of friends that aren't in here today because the familiar disappointed them the familiar hurt them the familiar that we, began, we got so comfortable with ended up not doing what we, what our will was for that person. But there's always this, but God, but God. And I feel like today we need, look, what Chad got up here and said about bringing back the presence of God, about taking that time to allow the Holy Spirit to work and to move. Man, it's so aligned with what this word is that I believe that God gave me today. I've also said this from the very beginning. I love to be transparent. I love to be vulnerable. I don't mind telling you when I make a mistake. If I, if I don't tell you, it'll define me. But I tell you this, I asked Casey yesterday to give me a little snapshot and update on where we are financially for the month of January. You know, we went back, this isn't isn't a business meeting. We went back and we probably slashed our budget by 55%. We did that in faith. Because that's the bare minimum that is going to be required each and every month just to sustain all of the stuff that we have to do, just to get up here and turn these lights on. And she said, She said, We got to have faith. And I'm going to tell you something. And this might be difficult. And I know there's people, because I've had people tell me they're waiting to see what happens, they're waiting to see who the pastor is, they're waiting to see what turns out. They're at home. They're not coming. They're not fellowshipping. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not tithing other places, but they're not tithing here right now. I'm going to tell you something. We're going to miss out on God's opportunity to fulfill that vision if we don't get over our thoughts and our feelings and those emotions that have us all distraught sometimes. I'm not talking about us in here, but I'm just talking generally. You know, Mr. Chuck, God's so faithful. Like I said, he doesn't do magic. He uses people. And there's been so many people that came into this room so many times and they bought into that vision. But the familiar became something that caused us to lose sight of what God's really calling us to do. And I'm not trying to manipulate you to get your checkbook out, I'm not trying to get you to do anything that's not in your heart to do. I just want to be real and I want to be honest. I want to remind you that that's what we've been called to do. Go after the lost. Make sure everybody that's searching for a deeper relationship with God comes in these doors and we fulfill that through our external ministries, our internal ministries, and that we see our community enriched. We see our community changed because of the vision and the calling of God where we just stepped out in faith. And just did what we knew he was calling us to do because it was on his heart. And I'm going to tell you, I'm still not worried despite how low things have gone. Because you know what? We may miss the boat, but it ain't going to stop the train. Let me tell you what, you wanna, I'm going to prove it to you. So, and I didn't reach out to ask if this was okay, but I, I, I love Chuck and I think he would be okay. You know how we got the building and the property over there the vision that was in place had shrunk and began to dry up and and instead of god allowing those doors to close he allowed the blessing to just be passed on to us and if we don't do our part if we don't fulfill our calling if we don't go out to those people that have sat by side beside us our friends, our family and encourage them to get back in here and to do what God's called and not everybody's going to come back that's okay I'm, I'm fine with that you want to know what I think freedom is? letting people do whatever they want and not have an opinion about it that's what God does God desires that all people come to know Christ and be saved but, but he knows it's not going to happen that's, that's freedom that's a really great gift and I want people to have the freedom and the liberty to go where they feel they're fed and nourished. But hey, all those people that are sitting on the sideline, look, we got to get up. We got to listen to what God's saying to us. Because you know what? We may not, we're going to get in that building. We may only have a few months of ministry in there if we don't let God use his people. He doesn't do magic. God used his people to go back after the lost to see the searching fulfilled, to enrich the community, so we can impact the world. And if it's not us, he gonna use somebody else because that's the kingdom. That vision, if you think about it, it is a progressive vision. It's God's vision, it's not ours. It's in the Bible time and time again. So I'm challenging you, I'm challenging people, to just hear the voice of the God. Let's block out the chatter. Let's not be distracted by the familiar. Let's not let our thoughts, our feelings, and our emotions from the negative capacity prevent us from experiencing something that's way better than us. And that's why I know this will go on, whether it's through this body It's not this body, it's going to be the next body because the kingdom of God is advancing. I love y'all. Kind of a hard word, but it wasn't hard to give because it was the truth. All right, and I did go over, and I'm so sorry, but not really. So look, I want to say this. So we know what we need to do as a church body. We got to leave some stuff behind. We got to follow him. Can I tell y'all something a little funny that I learned? I actually really found out who the founding father of Oaks Church is. You want me to tell you? It was Abraham. Abraham, when it says when he obeyed and he went and he left on his way to Canaan, at the great Oaks of Mamre, <laughs> he set up an altar to God. So I'm going to say Abraham was the founding father of Oaks Church. So awesome. Hey, great lineage. You know how many of them there have been since then? You know how many they are going to be beyond us? But if you have something that you feel like you need to leave behind, today is a great day to do it. The sun came out. The sun's always shining. Leave some things behind. Follow the voice of the Lord. It will never, ever, ever lead you astray. And last thing, don't cut off the message before the last five minutes, because that may be where the meat comes in. Chad, you want to come? I love you, dude. I love it. Yeah. I'm gonna pray. And I did everything I could to hold my my emotions back. Father, man, this is bigger than anything we could ever imagine. Your gifts and your calling, they're without limit and they're not revocable. You have people in places to fulfill both and to use both. I pray that you continue to raise up the people from this church, that you inspire them from this word. Lord, I believe that this was a word of wisdom that was, is to be a key, like you say in Corinthians, to unlock the heart of the body. And I pray that it unlocks the heart of the body corporately, And I pray that it unlocks the heart of us individually. I have a lot of friends and people I love that aren't here today. And God, I just ask you to bless them. Just bless them just like you blessed Abraham. Bless them, make them prosperous. Use them, make their name great. Protect them against their enemies. Lord, I thank you that we do live in a community where there are plenty of options for people to go and hear you and I just pray that you'll continue to bless those places to be a bright light to fulfill the vision that you've given them Lord this isn't a word just for our church this is a word for every church that has a vision and a mission statement which they do I thank you Lord that today you gave me the chance just to stand up here and just represent you and deliver your word it's been it's been thrown out you got to water it and you got to make it grow this is a wonderful group of people god they've blocked out the noise so many people have said i have not been released to go anywhere else and i thank you for their diligence and i thank you for their faithfulness i was reminded of the, this morning of the story in the bible where jesus mentioned the lady that gave The little bit that she has. Lord, you will increase everything that needs to be increased to fulfill the ministries, the missions, the opportunities that we have to enrich our community and impact this world. Bless the folks today. Bless them on this week. And I pray, God, that we always seek to have a personal relationship with you and that it be the definition that you have for us that guides who we are in this world. In Jesus' name.